Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast the show where two former roommates and they talk were about roommates. a new movie every week but this week on the show we're beginning Caps May Mania and we're talking about all sorts of different movies I'm your host Corbin's vocal and as always I'm joined by my co-host Cody Webb Cody how are we doing we back baby we back it's uh you know it's gonna be a fun one and uh it's gonna be a fun month I think in general May Mania of Cap come on how can you not be excited about that May is a great month already, you know, my birthday, a lot of other things probably, but May Mania of Cap, come on, you can't beat that. But uh, yeah, man, Jack should be here and uh, should be a good one. Yeah, so just to kind of explain what, what we mean by May Mania, uh, <laughs> you know, we're still figuring it out a little bit, but basically it's going to be more episodes, at least two episodes a week, maybe three episodes a week. We're doubling uh, down, basically. It's a yeah. little bit of in celebration, like you mentioned, we both have birthdays this month, so we figured... You know, let's let's go out with a, a bang because who knows? It might be our last birthdays. Um, <laughs> also, that's tough. Hey, you never know. You never know. So you got to live everyone like it's the last. Uh, also, you know, I'm graduating college, so we can celebrate that. You know, it's school is beginning to let loose. Maybe people will have a little bit more time to listen to episodes. I know we're going to have a little bit more time to record. And then the best part about it is we're going to have a ton of guests on the show. So if you want to be a guest, reach out we're looking for a ton of people to come on almost every episode speaking of which we are starting here with our first steps our first guest the wonderful luke manning luke how are we doing i'm great thanks for having me on now if you're uh if you're a longtime listener cap you might recognize luke he uh he offered up quite a few hot takes and questions honestly probably about half of the ones we did in our season two finale uh so we're glad to finally get him on the show, but he, he's been a part of the show in the past a little bit. Yeah, basically he was the best part of uh, one of our episodes. So <laughs> we don't take any credit for that. that. That was all Luke. So yeah, I'm excited to have you on though, man. He, he, d- he definitely carried yeah, that episode. <laughs> he did. He looked, he did though. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, That's you said send joke. a hot take and I sent about 10. So yeah. we appreciate it. We appreciate yeah. it. And, and getting into a little bit of hot takes, this is going to be an interesting episode. It's a new format. It's something that I think we might do with other guests as well. I'm calling it Cap Chats. Let's talk about that. So basically, we've got a guest here. We all love movies. We're just going to talk about movies for a little bit. It's not super structured. Uh, basically, the the only structure we have is if we're going back to the, we have a pod rhythm, we have the blockbuster card game. There's more cards in the deck. And they're kind of prompts. So, for example, this is just one. It's movies with a number in the title. So what's going to happen here in a second is I'm going to draw a random card. It's going to say a thing, you know, movies with a number in a title. You can think of countless movies with a number in a title. Each of us is going to give one movie that fits that prompt. And then we're going to kind of go around in order and we're just going to chat about the movie for, you know, a little bit. See how see where the conversation takes us. You know, we'll talk about it for as long as we want. And uh, just, you know, discuss, maybe give some hot takes, maybe, you know, who knows, right? This episode is is full of surprises. And uh, Luke is probably the perfect guest to have it because I feel like he can talk about just about any movie. And, uh, you know, Cody can just make anything up on the spot. So yeah, I'm pull stuff out of my ass. So this is a good episode <laughs> for me too. Looking forward to hopefully doing this again. Uh, the other thing that we're doing for Cap Mania that I want to do is, you know, we mm-hmm. might have a lot of new listeners. So I want to every episode recommend an old episode and since luke's here i'm going to recommend go check out the season finale of season two episode 24 
to hear all the great hot takes that he provided with us and then our reactions to those. So if you're a first time cap listener, go check those out. Or if you're, if you're an old one and you missed it, that's a great episode. We also had some guests on there. So go check out the episode. No, that was definitely a good one to recommend, I think, as well. So I backed that. I might go back and listen to that one because that was a fun one. It's a classic. It's our longest episode ever as well. So keep you busy. Let's get down into it. I'm going to draw the first card. Let's hope it's a good one. We should do that number card. That was a great card. You think? What do you think, Luke? You want to do the number card? (laughs) Sure. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. So first card, movies with a number in the title. We're going to go around. We're going to start with Cody. You're going to say your movie, and then we'll move on to the next person. So what movie are, do you want to discuss today, Cody? Well, there's a lot of them that I was, I was thinking of when you said that, but the one I really like is uh, 1917. Oh, okay. That's an that interesting. I just did not see that coming. Okay, yeah. so we'll, we'll come back to it. It's got, it's got four numbers in it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> it does have four numbers. Big brain out here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be cheating, honestly. Uh, my movie is a single number and it's seven. First thing yeah. I thought of when I thought of movies, the number yeah. and the title. That was the first thing I thought of too. Yeah. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm unoriginal. We'll move over to Luke. And now I have to think of another one. You got to think of another movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with district nine. Oh, okay. That's actually pretty good. That's yeah, fun. That's actually. Luke, are you, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but here, Luke, have you played the game framed? I haven't. No. no. Okay. So framed is like wordle but with movies. So you'd probably enjoy this. And we've recommended it on the pod before, but uh, framed.wtf is a website. It shows you a frame of a movie. Uh, You guess if you get it wrong, it shows you another one. They kind of get progressively easier. You have six tries. The movie today on April 27th that we're recording this was District 9. (laughs) Was it really? uh, What a question. (laughs) And uh, that's funny. And Corbin think, got in three guesses and I got in two. So he did beat me to it, but he likes the movie <laughs> huh. more, I think. So uh, we're going to start with Cody's pick, 1917. I'm going to give a brief synopsis for the people who don't know. And then uh, Cody's going to lead the conversation. So 1917, at the height of the First World War, two young British soldiers must cross enemy territory and deliver a message that will stop a deadly attack on hundreds of soldiers. It's directed by Sam Mendez and stars George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman in the two lead roles. Cody, what are your thoughts on 1917? Uh, I think 1917, first off, it's just a beautifully made movie, which is obvious but needs to be pointed out. And I think the cool thing that they do in a lot of war movies, sort of similar in Dunkirk in a sense, but not really, is you get actors who you don't really know. And I think that works beautifully in this movie. The main, like, the main guy who's obviously, like, the plot thread i think he's actually ridiculously good um and obviously the cinematography the iconic shot of him like running across the battlefield crazy good stuff the the night visuals of just the city burning so good i think as well his 1v1 with that one sniper guy at the beginning almost very very cool there's so many just like specific moments in that movie that i really like but i think um and i've talked about this before the and we talk about it in like roll credits all the time the opening and closing shot i think it's just such a cool touch to the movie because they start out um he's like sitting on a tree talking to all his friends and stuff and then the closing shot it's just like the perfect culmination of war i think because you have a band of brothers who you know are all there together they're not really sure why they're there and then it ends with him just his back on the tree and he's he's dying but no, I think it's a great movie, and I don't believe it won Best Picture, did it? It was definitely nominated. Be- beaten by Parasite. That that's fair. I 
I mean, if I had a pick, I would pick 1917. I'm not as high in Parasite, I think, as a lot of other people are. I love uh, Pong Joon-ho, but I don't know that movie. I don't know. That's definitely not a five-star movie in my book. <laughs> I'll move away, but 1917, great flick. Who directed it, Gorbin? Tell me again. You said it. Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, yeah, that's obvious. James Bond guy, but no, great movie and, and definitely one of my favorites from like, the past five years, probably. We'll throw it over to Luke. What, what are your thoughts on what Cody was saying? Yeah, I... Uh... I agree with everything. I really enjoyed 1917. You know, I I know a lot of people criticize that movie for its script. I can see it, but I can also see that you have a guy who's on a mission who talks to very few people. Uh, It's not going to be the most, you know, in-depth script uh, because it's definitely a visual movie. It's got great cinematography, great camera work, uh, the one-shot stuff all throughout um my favorite sequence would have to be the i think it's the night window sequence where he it's like the first blatant cut in the film where he gets shot by the sniper that you were mentioning and uh he wakes up and there's flares going off in the city probably one of my favorite sequences in any film ever just like when i watched that in imax for the first time i was just blown away i i had no idea how they were able to do something like that. And I don't know if you guys have watched um, the behind the scenes stuff, but they created models and then used a light on like a string to go over the models to know where the shadows would go during that scene to have him run perfectly to, you know, cast the light on him when it needed to be there. So That movie had an insane amount of planning, obviously, with, you know, what they had to do with maintaining the illusion of one take. But, oh, I love 1917. I think it's great. Do you do you agree? Should it have beaten Parasite for best picture? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I disagree with that as well. Yeah, I mean, that year was packed Yeah, I, with great films. Uh, I would have been happy with about three or four, which is, you know, that's rare because there's usually only one where I'm like, that should win it. And if it doesn't, I'm disappointed. But uh, that was a great year. But yeah, no, Parasite was was the best film that year. Before I talk 1917, let's let's take a little sidetrack here and talk just like 2020 Oscars, the 2019 movies. Pretty incredible slate, like like you mentioned. Here's the uh, the films nominated for Best Picture in that year: Parasite, Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, that's a pretty solid list of films yeah in in most years there's probably like one or two films in there that like i didn't really connect with or i didn't really like and honestly like i enjoyed all of these movies would you agree with that yeah. <laughs> what's your problem cody what do you got beef with? Good movies i don't know if it's like up on like those are all very good movies i i'll give you that but nothing really sticks out other than like the top three i'd say that. you just think recency bias is that what you're i mean a little bit it's hard not to have recency bias with a lot of things i think but I mean, I think this year was maybe a little bit down every year. So, I mean, compared to this year, 2020 like knocks it out of the water. But I don't know if it's like up there with some of the other great years. Hey, yeah. only time will tell. <laughs> I think I think five of those movies could have won Best Picture this year, honestly. Uh, yeah, I yeah, would I would fair. agree with that. That is fair. Yeah, I back that. I mean, it, it was stacked. Yeah, I won't I won't get into Coda. <laughs> and uh, what we think of that? But you just watched that recently, didn't you? I, I did, yes. I, I enjoyed it, but, you know, best picture. Eh. Maybe, maybe not, 
you know, on par with uh, the highest class of films. You know, you talked about going back to 1917. It is incredibly choreographed. And I think really like from a directorial perspective and like having to manage all of these things at once and, and getting everything so perfect and executed and dealing with your, your actors and your sets and your, your crew. And yes, the cinematographer plays a large role in that in, in terms of the one take nature, but I think it's just like an incredibly impressive and incredibly well-directed movie. It's, it's not easy to do. And listen, I think Parasite's amazing. I, I love that Bong Joon-ho won that award. Um, but you know, it, it would have been okay if Sam Mendes took, took it as well. I mean, you're also going up against Tarantino Scorsese and, and then Todd Phillips. So a stack, a stacked group all around. And, you know, I'll take the Bong Joon-ho win, but uh, this is an incredibly well-directed film. I don't know why Joker was even nominated for Best Picture, but it's kind of whack in my opinion. I don't know. Because it was so yeah. relatable. <laughs> Maybe to you, but... <laughs> don't get on the subway with Corbin, man. Jeez, watch that. <laughs> I was just going to say, Scorsese is probably my favorite filmmaker, and I love The Irishman, but I forget about that movie. <laughs> I gave that movie an easy five and I just forget it was ever made. So hearing that that was nominated in that same year is kind of weird. Yeah. I think if you look at like his filmography, like the Irishman is like, if anybody else made it, yeah, it's great. But when you're like, Oh, put this up against every other Scorsese film, Goodfellas, The Departed, Casino, like Raging Bull, like in comparison to all that stuff, it's just like, it doesn't really, it's just not, like you said, not memorable. doesn't stand out. There's nothing unique or special about it. Um, I mean, other than they made Robert De Niro look less old. I think Al Pacino's great in that movie, actually. I think he's probably has the best performance. Hey, you, yeah. you, get, some, you get some Jesse Plemons, so, you know, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. He's not doing much, but he's there. Jesse Plemons, I think he's actually pretty underrated, but I think Joe Pesci was very, very good in that movie as well. But yeah, when is he not good, though? That's all. He's... <laughs> Cody loves Home Alone, so. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like Home Alone, dude? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good film. It's a good film. Awesome. You know, going back to 1917 and you said seeing it in IMAX and, and we didn't see it in IMAX, but Cody and actually Cody and I saw that, that movie together. And do you remember what happened when Did we see that you remember what happened when we went to the theater, Cody? Was it, we got like split up or something COVID. I don't remember. No, what happened? it was before COVID. These girls were in our seats. <laughs> they wouldn't move. I do not remember that. I don't remember all. this at all. We went to the, we went to the, we uh, to the theater nice over in Lafayette. Yeah. And the, gqt 10 or something it was either the seven or the 10 i I can't i don't remember which one but the nicer of the two um we went to that and we get in there and these girls are sitting in our seats and we're like hey these are our seats like it's reserved seating and then they pulled out their tickets and it said the same seats like what the hell so then we had to get a manager and the manager came out and he's like oh you girls these tickets are for tomorrow <laughs> you bought tickets for the oh. next day <laughs> which i was like glad because i was the one who bought the tickets i'm pretty sure so i was glad i'm not the one who fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they ended up just letting them sit like behind us but they would not move they're like these are they were very persistent we were just like uh. i don't even remember that dude. <laughs> great theater experience though i guess it didn't have a significant impact on on cody beyond that but... i think i just remember the movie not right <laughs> yeah we all win it was like me you dylan mina connor yeah, I, remember that. I, don't, I just don't remember people being in our seats that's tough dude. bad memory gonzo little little off topic but is that the craziest uh theater experience you've had or is there is there anything that tops that well corbin he always goes back to um the kid yelling laser beam at it during a free guy <laughs> that was that was just cringy there was, there was a kid during when i was watching free guy who was like oh my 
my god it's laser beam when when laser beam came which oh is, boy just pretty funny and i was at that movie alone and there was like 50 children there i hey i had a good time but that's besides the point um <laughs> i don't know if craziest my worst experience was actually at the uh the gq2 gqt9 here the wabash landing and i when i saw shang chi there was these dudes sitting behind me who were talking the entire movie and it wasn't like they were like doing a commentary of the movie and like trying to make jokes back and forth like every moment and it was just like yeah no one was laughing except for like their group of people but like every like yeah. it was it was so annoying and they were right behind me it was it was the worst what about you you, you got any crazy stories I can remember my first mistake was seeing uh, Solo, a Star Wars story on opening night, but there was this guy with his kid behind, and it's like the theaters that the the space in front of the seats is like, you can fit like three, it's huge. And he was just letting his kid run up and down the <laughs> aisle. I, it, I don't even know. It just made me so angry. I couldn't even focus on the movie for a solid 30 minutes. Not a bad thing to stare like solo though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might have yeah. been more entertaining than what you were watching. <laughs> People behind us uh, on opening night of uh, Endgame were gotten like a fight during the movie. As uh, you know, when they go into new, is it what is it called, New Asgard or whatever? Yeah, I think so. And uh, they see Thor and Korg. This guy is saying, "Stop kicking my." my girl's seat or something like that and it's getting louder and louder and then they get up i turn around and they're like shoving each other this is opening night you got a bunch of <laughs> hardcore fans and i'm like really I'm like, trying to watch a movie man yeah, i'm just crazy. trying to enjoy a cultural event here <laughs> cody you have any crazy stories i mean you can't even remember the the one i had so <laughs> yeah but that's not even back strange. i haven't had like anything drastically bad i don't think um sort of similar stuff or just people are being annoying and, and shouting crap my my spider-man no way home experience really wasn't the best people were just yelling shit the entire time but um still a good movie i mean like i said i kind of just like block everything out anyways so even if people are talking i i really just don't even listen but i haven't had anything noticeably bad i don't think on that note let's move on to a movie that none of us saw in theaters my movie with a number in the title seven what's in the box it's uh it's a head it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head yeah <laughs> oh wow I, that's a spoiler alert spoiler alert two homicide detectives are on a desperate hunt for a serial killer whose crimes are based on the seven deadly sins in this dark and haunting film that takes viewers from the tortured remains of one victim to the next the seasoned detective Somerset researches each sin in an effort to get inside the killer's mind while his novice partner Mills scoffs at his efforts to unravel the case Directed by David Fincher, released in 1995, and starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, along with Gwyneth Paltrow's head and Kevin Spacey. Let's talk Seven. All right. Uh, I think Seven is, I think the memes of it, you know, kind of almost overshadow that it's actually a pretty good movie. Um, you know, recently we talked about it a little bit with the Batman, how it's kind of very similar. They did a thing where, you know, every time they're outside, it's always raining, and that's callback to seven that we talked about on the podcast just a gritty like crime drama i mean obviously david fincher likes his dark stuff uh he he goes back to it traditionally i think it's a really good precursor to like what he does in zodiac but he does it better in zodiac in my opinion but yeah i don't know seven's a movie that kind of keeps you guessing uh the end has been 
popularly revealed in, in pop culture. So it's kind of hard to not know that's going to happen. When I watched seven for the first time, I knew Gwyneth Paltrow's head was in the box, which I guess is kind of a shame at this point. I think it's that moment has probably just become so iconic that, you know, it's, it's hard to avoid. Um, it's kind of like, you know, whether I haven't even seen the sixth sense, but I know how that ends. Right. It, it, it's something similar to that. You know, I'll throw it over to, to Cody. What are your, what are your thoughts on seven? You haven't seen the sixth sense? No. Oh, there's a on. there's a movie with a number in the title. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, I watched it in honor of Bruce. But uh, no, yeah, seven. I, off the bat, I, I do disagree a little bit. I think um, seven is a better movie than than uh, what did you say? Down Zodiac. Yeah, I think Zodiac, the thing. Yeah. I'm saying the things he does as a director are better executed in Zodiac. I guess I I, I don't know. I really don't agree with that either. But I agree with what you're saying mostly. I mean, it is super cool setting. I think, like you said, the raining thing was something I want to mention too. I think the performances are actually maybe some of the best like Fincher's ever worked with. Morgan Freeman, I think, is unbelievable. And so we, okay, performance uh, guy, I thought, but um, dude, Morgan Freeman is ridiculously good. So okay. Kevin Spacey, you can say whatever you want about him. We, I've slandered him multiple times. He's really freaking good in this movie. Well, slander him again. He's a terrible person. Yeah, he's terrible. But he's person, good in this movie. He's very good in this movie. To be fair, he Just does play in. He plays a bad person in this movie too, so makes sense. He, he fits right in his character, but um, I think Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow are, are pretty underrated too. Obviously, Gwyneth Paltrow is whatever, but I mean, this probably is her best performance. Um, and it's it's such an iconic ending. I think the iconicness of this is something that brings it above Zodiac for me. Also, so I, like I have some issues with Zodiac. Overly long. I don't know the plots, whatever. You know, Joan Hall's in it, whatever. He's not great in that either. But um, I don't know. I think Seven is a much better movie. It's much just well-rounded movie. The whole idea of the seven deadly sins as um, like a, a mass murder type as well, I think is super interesting and something that we've seen replicated about 100 times. So I think when other movies like blatantly copy movie like uh, the Batman does, you know it's, it's a very good film. So yeah, I kind of disagree with Corbin, but obviously still a very good movie Luke, what are your thoughts on seven you know i actually agree with i i think seven's a better film than zodiac but i do think that zodiac is better directed uh so i agree with you there um i don't think people understand or realize how goofy seven can be like it's <laughs> it's it's a very serious movie and it's got some very intense scenes but like you can't tell me that you don't laugh a little bit at the what is it the is it how do you say it? gluttony mm, yeah. yeah where he like eats himself and he's like in like the bowl the of spaghetti yeah and you know the guy that you think's dead and I mean, it's it's great prosthetics and stuff but like come on it's a little silly I think yeah the cinematography is great with the rain do you think uh do you think this movie served as an inspiration for Saul? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a similar thing. It's, you know, serial yeah, killer yeah. kills people, puts them in intricate traps. Uh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. there's, it's been done in other places, but I, I think drawing a line from there to there is, mm. is probably not too hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I just think it's a, it's a great film. Uh, you guys kind of already mentioned all the things that are, are good about it. Do you think Morgan Freeman's performance in this movie is the best Fincher dir- directed performance. <laughs> I, I think that's that. absurd. I, I said the cast as a whole. It's, it's definitely uh, Sigourney Weaver in Alien Three. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I back that. I think the social. You're telling me the social network performances, Cody, are are not. I better. don't think 
I don't think the cast as a whole. I mean, who else? I don't think JT is good in that movie at all. Brenda Song? It's like the you don't think she's villain. killing it? <laughs> I, I was saying those four. Rashida Jones? Give me another four. She's in it for like two Army years. Hammer? <laughs> yeah, Army Hammer would be fourth in the probably. He's good, but and Rooney, whatever her last name is, Mar Rooney. I mean, again, she's in it for yeah. five minutes, so I don't know. I, I'd say those four of a front four is, is tough to beat from from a Finch man movie, but you can slander me all you want, my guy. I, I think Zodiac has better overall performances than than Seven. I don't think Joan Hall's good in that movie at all, man. <laughs> Shut up! You're just compared a Joan Hall hater. Compared to Prisoners, like Joan Hall looks like a ten year old in Zodiac, so I, I don't. Oh, I don't he's like supposed that. to. Yeah, I, I mean, he's supposed to be but... like a yeah, like a goofy, yeah, mature like, yeah. cartoon artist. He Plus, does. Ruffalo yeah. and Downey Jr. are also incredible. So yeah, Downey's very good. Really. I am not a fan of Mark Ruffalo, and I think he's great in Zodiac. So that, yeah, that's true. He's that. pretty bad. He's bad in the Avengers movies. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's pretty shit, but he's good in that movie too. Me and my friends always make fun of of Ruffalo in Infinity War. He's like, Thanos is coming. <laughs> he just he says it with the weirdest like tone hey, just, of all time because because he fell through the earth yeah or through the just, a, just a hanging head at the end out of uh the hulk <laughs> that cgi is so bad it looks like the hulk neck. has never been properly handled the, in the mcu let's be let's be real no what about angley's hulk that's pretty good hey i love that movie dude <laughs> it's on your wall it's yeah. on my wall it's right right there <laughs> um i mean listen i'm a i'm a sucker for the hulk so just give me something good give me something real maybe she hulk will finally give it to us but i'm kind of excited for that where does seven rank in fincher films i'd say it's upper echelon for me i mean what what do we got i'll I'll list list social network zodiac fight club gone girl seven the game benjamin button panic room girl with dragon tattoo uh aliens three got me up there (laughs) Top three with Fight Club and Social Network, I'd say. Just behind Alien Three, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alien Three, Alien Girl 3. Dragon Tattoo Seven. I haven't seen the Girl Dragon Tattoo. It looks decent, actually, but I'd say it's it's top three pretty easily for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Social Network is probably his best film. Yeah. Then I'd go Seven Zodiac, you know, back to back. I just, I really like the game too. Really? I, I think the ending. I I think the ending the the game is fantastic i think the ending is really good i think everything else is just like so meh that it it doesn't quite pull yeah. it off i think seven is his fifth best movie so that that's my oh, that's man. my take thing like it definitely drags there in the middle it just kind of gets really slow and it's just like this is not and again i think zodiac so for me here's my here's my top five Social how long Network, is zodiac zodiac is like a three-hour movie but i think it handles its time better and progresses the story in in a more interesting way the social network zodiac fight club gone girl seven yeah gone girl of it wow i don't know about that also two great uh, talk about great performances ben affleck roseman pike and gone girl (laughs) i know you don't like the rest of the movie you you had ben affleck as your worst actor so no i just said he was playing himself so That does not count. You cannot claim he, he had a good performance all of a sudden. Hey, you I, say I, I, can't, I can't change my opinion in a year. <laughs> yeah, you're changing it just for just for your cause now. But not a, you, there's no change. We're getting uh, we're letting you get away with that. So let's move on to District Nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big excited about this one. So District Nine, like we were talking about, was today's framed. So. Uh, if you're not on the framed kick, I mean, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You got to be there. 
30 years ago, aliens arrive on Earth not to conquer or give aid, but to find refuge from their dying planet. Separated from humans in a South African area called District 9, the aliens are managed by Multinational United, which is unconcerned with the aliens' welfare, but will do anything to master their advanced technology. When a company field agent contracts a mysterious virus that begins to alter his DNA, there's only one place he can hide. District 9, directed by Neil Blomkamp. I'm going to say South African uh, starring Charlotte Copley, Jason Cope, Nathalie Bolt um, also produced by Peter Jackson. So yeah, there we go. Luke, why don't you take it away? Tell us about district nine. Yeah. I don't know why this came to my head first. Uh, I mean, I think it's a good film. I think I gave it a three and a half or something like that out of five, not not 10. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it has some really cool visuals. I think if I remember correctly, Blomkamp and his crew do all their visual effects and they kind of have the same look to them because I know he did Chappie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yep. and Elysium. And, yeah, and Elysium. Like, Elysium's not a good movie, but the effects look awesome. I think Vickis, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, the main character. Uh, he has a great performance by, you said, Charlto copley he his panic when he realizes that he's been infected um and he has to basically flee to district nine and you know escape them hunting him i think he does a great job of really exemplifying how someone would act if they realize they turned into the very thing that they've been hunting down or controlling for for years i really like the it's not very subtle but the the metaphor for apartheid yeah, metaphor for apartheid. Yeah, it's not very subtle, but I think it's it's cool. I think you can do just about any um, terrible world event and do aliens, and it and it will work. And sometimes I think it's not necessarily more powerful, uh, but I think when you take uh, something like an alien from another planet and make them the subject of what we humans did to other humans, it you can realize how just you know just how messed up it really is i think i think it's a great movie throw it to you guys you know i think kind of continuing on with that so often in films you see the like aliens as the invaders and the trope of you know taking over and wanting power and i think this movie does something really interesting where it turns out on its head and it's that we are the oppressors right they're just here they're they're seeking refuge right they're refugees and mistreated refugees at that um and while they're like, you know, strong key creatures with an advanced technology, they're still like this vermin and this like beast that um, is being outcast to the special District 9. So I think that's a really cool twist on the alien genre as a whole. One thing I wanted to talk about as well is this movie like had a weird impact on me as a child, even though I never saw it. I just like have very distinct memories of its like marketing campaign and like the... Yeah. Like, I think the, the ship itself, like floating above the city is so cool and the aesthetics of it and the junkiness yeah. of it. Um, it, it just like, I watched this movie for the first time, probably like two years ago. And even before, before having seen it, just like, it's, it's always stuck out to me. It's just like this, the, just the imagery is like stuck with me despite ever even seeing it. I definitely agree with that as well. And I saw it for the first time pretty recently as well. I think it was maybe a couple of years too, but I mean, I'm a big sci-fi guy, obviously, and um, this is by far uh, Neil Blomkamp's best movie, I would say. It's not particularly close. Um, but, I mean, 
the setup is so cool as well. I think the camera work at the beginning where mm-hmm. it's almost like a, it's like a reality TV show or a documentary of some sort where they're following, what's his name? Charles Copley. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays yeah. Wikis. Wikis. Yeah. He's, he's great in this. Um, yeah. Sort of just his turn from just, just this desperate guy. Well, he starts off obviously as, Basically, it's like knocking on aliens' doors, being like, you're getting evicted. And then he turns into the desperation of trying to get this reversed and then eventually him and accepting it and, you know, trying to actually find a cause for, for what he's turned into. But I think mm-hmm. it, another thing about this movie as well is they set it up for a sequel and it never came, which really sucks because I think even if Blomkamp doesn't go back to it, I think somebody else could. And it would be maybe even like something where you can bounce off the first one and make it so much better. But I do agree. It's not like a perfect movie or anything. I think it's just an interesting take on sci-fi. Obviously what Corbin was saying, it's not an alien invasion movie, really. It's it's more a metaphor like you guys were saying. And it's like, even like it places it 30 years after the fact. So it's not yeah, even, you're not even yeah. there in the moment. It's exactly. like this is lived in history at this point. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. I mean, the, the whole alien community, it kind of gets weird and sketchy where these people are like obviously dealing uh, arms and dealing drugs and everything. And, you know, there's tones of, you know, obviously this is a, it's pounding you over the head of what the metaphor is pretty clearly. But it's, but it's accurate. Like that's exactly how people would, that's yeah. exactly what would happen. Like, yeah. And yeah, yeah going I, off that, like you saying, that's exactly what happened. The reason we, the reason we have all these movies, books, any form of media where aliens come here and attack us is because that's exactly what we would do if we went to them. So yeah. like we just yeah. we, we project what we would do onto this this species. And then you made a good point, Cody, the uh, like the drug, you know, drug trafficking within District 9. It's not even like it's almost like there's another version of apartheid happening because there's like crime lords within district nine that come from another i think it's i think it's nigeria yeah yeah it's nigerian kenya i think uh, it's nigeria is where the characters because they all speak nigerian okay Um, yeah yeah it's 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 really interesting because you have the character isn't he like in a wheelchair or he like doesn't have yeah yeah it's like the the crime boss which is is such an interesting character like yeah it's i just think as a whole like the movie's so unique and different than Mm -hmm. really anything else that you see um which is what i love about it it's super unexpected i feel like for your side i mean going into it you know like obviously this guy's probably gonna turn into an alien and then it gets flipped on its head but the actual story i feel like is is super unpredictable like he prevent he befriends um the other guy i don't remember is it like he's a kid or something but whatever like they become good buddies and then i believe they turn on each other at the end so like the story as a whole is actually like very well read i think and and super interesting the more you dig into it yeah good flick definitely check out here's to hoping for district 10 please we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back give me district 10 and we're back from our commercial break we're gonna draw another card and we'll see where it takes us for our our last three movies season three season three then dude off top well yeah we're not there yet this is different (laughs) this isn't we have (laughs) it's the same though (laughs) movie set in new york Oh. there's a there's a long list of movies set in yeah. new york uh just so you don't get one taken from you we'll let luke start but if you need a second to really pick a good one we'll give it to you i have another pick this is, this is not my pick but uh muppets in manhattan what a movie dude. <laughs> oh it's actually really good 
Kermit, he gets uh, his head gets hit and he loses his memory. It's good stuff, man. You should talk to Jackson Piggy. about that. He's a Miss Piggy guy. get married at the end. I saw it when I was like ten and it blew me away. But <laughs> good flick, dude. Luke, what's your movie? So film set in New York. I'm gonna go with Taxi Driver. It's a good one. There's lots of taxis there. Uh, we'll throw it over to me for the second movie, and I'm going with one that eh, kind of set in New York, the original Planet of the Apes. And okay. uh, we'll go Cody one? for the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic, Charles and Heston. Yeah, I guess it is. That's, that's a good point. I think about um, I'm going to go on more of the fun edge here. I'm going to go with Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> I, I kind of saw this coming, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, you brought up Home Alone earlier. I got to pick it. Come on. Luke, you're going first. Taxi Driver. Obviously, the Martin Scorsese flick taxi driver starring you know robert de niro jody foster albert brooks harvey keitel synopsis is a mentally unstable vietnam war veteran works as a nighttime taxi driver in new york city where the perceived decadence and sleaze feed his urge for violent action attempting to save a pre-adolescent prostitute in the process luke take it away taxi driver i first saw taxi driver probably two years ago and I've watched it probably six or seven times since then. So I obviously really like it. Um, as far as set in New York, the reason I picked that one is because that to me is one of the most like when I think of 1970s New York, like that's the definitive movie. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a yeah. movie where the setting is almost a character. Like it's, it's, it's oh, yeah. integral yeah. to the story, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's disgusting. And, you know, that reflects in Travis Bickle's character. I mean, he's constantly, you know, there's the voiceover of him saying how disgusting and repulsive the city is. And, you know, he's right. Like, he's he's crazy. But everything he's saying, you literally see it as he drives his taxi. I don't know. I mean, it's ugly, the city itself, but it manages to, manages to be also beautiful. I mean, the film looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, the camera works great. Editing is great. It's edited by, and I just figured this out it's edited by uh george lucas's wife really yeah <laughs> that's cool and yeah uh but yeah it's a it's a great film i think robert de niro is great in it uh it's it's a hard watch like i've seen it so many times but yeah i mean i feel kind of gross seeing it every time i agree and to bounce off that, i think it, like this is obviously tough but i think visually this probably is scorsese's best I think the camera work is actually ridiculous in this movie. And obviously, like, um, Robert De Niro, incredible. Like, we don't need to talk about that a ton. But I think just the transformation of his character as well is sort of similar to Sister Stein, but obviously not at all. Like, just completely coming a madman and the haircut, the shot, the, uh, pointing the gun to his head. Such good stuff. I think overall, coming back to Scorsese, I don't know if this is his best, but it should be. Like, he just made so much good stuff. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, I would probably put it up there pretty easily. Uh, obviously, I'm a big The Departed guy. But, I mean, just visually and storytelling-wise, I think it's not even really close to, to Raging Bull. Yeah. Let's see. What year did Raging Bull come out real quick? Yeah, okay. So, you make, I mean, he makes his movie in 76 and then, you know, yeah. makes probably five other movies that are just as good as better. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it's definitely yeah. not a peak, I would say. You know, like, Raging Bull is in man. 1980. I mean... Goodfellas is, I think, obviously up there as well. I would put Raging Bull and Goodfellas on the same level. I really would. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think. Disagree. They're both. Uh, 
I think, I mean, Raging Bull looks better. I think the characters are more fun and Goodfellas. I don't know. I, yeah, I just don't love did. boxing movies, so. Uh, <laughs> Jake, what is it? Jake LaMotta, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's so good, but he, ah, gosh. I wish I could get in the ring with that guy because he just <laughs> is so obnoxious. You could take him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> Obviously, this movie, I mean, you talking to me? Iconic, iconic stuff there all around. Like you said, the haircut. I mean, name a better movie mohawk. I, I got none. Nothing yeah, better. No. It, I mean, it's Scorsese doing Scorsese things. It's obviously very early Scorsese, but it's there's clear themes and, and feelings that kind of transcend all of his movies and, and connect to them. So I think it's really cool to go back to like a really early work from a director and, and see them continue on with you know similar ideas. So I don't know. It's such a thematically rich movie too i mm-hmm. mean every time I, I truly believe he doesn't want any you know sexual favors from uh jody foster from, right? no yeah jody foster's character i mean he doesn't want anything from her he truly wants to get her out of that situation and the scene where he's like what like she starts to take off her clothes and he's like no what are you doing what are you doing it, it's it's a side of that character that makes you uh, relate to him a little bit more or at least there's there's some good left in him yeah harvey Keitel, he's great in it for the little time he has that's yeah, another I think... dude i want to get in the ring with <laughs> 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 i bag it no i think yeah just the subtlety as well like you feel like in that moment specifically like he is a decent guy but i mean he's clearly a psychopath at the same time oh yeah he like yeah. in his head he has good intentions which i mean I feel like that makes a pretty good protagonist, but yeah. I'll say this is another one of those movies that uh, I think is often identified. I mean, I think a good chunk of Scorsese films are lumped in this category, but like the red flag movie, like if if Taxi Driver is your favorite film, that's, you know, some people might indicate that as a red flag. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. I probably wouldn't say that, you know, a lot, you know, my favorite movie is Taxi Driver. Like it it probably is, you know, one of the top tier movies, but... (laughs) Like in a normal conversation, it's like, oh, okay. Anyways, like, <laughs> oh, what's your favorite movie? But Taxi Driver? Oh, nice. Like, what are your responses yeah. that? <laughs> uh, two things to mention with this movie. Uh, Scorsese's performance in the car is actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's scary because uh, you really believe everything that he's saying uh, in that scene. And then also... What is your guys' take on after he gets after he falls on the couch, the police center, everything after that? Is that in his head as he's dying, or is that reality? What What do you think? That's a Cody, tough one. What do you think, Cody? <laughs> what do I think? I'm not much of a movie theorist out here. I would say it probably does make sense that um, it is all in his head, just on on like logic alone. But at the same time, I I kind of. I, I don't know. It's tough. I would like me personally, I would say, fuck it. Like, you know, he got away or whatever, but I mean, logically it, it, that probably does make more sense. I just camera wise, it's like yeah. the only top down shot and everything's still, it, it's almost like it's his, you know, conscience, soul, whatever you want to yeah. say, leaving the scene. I mean, it goes through the entire scene and then we get the, local hero saves and on the, and then the letter from her parents it's just all like it's too neat it's it's too neat of a wrap-up for what just occurred 
uh it it's like what he would have wanted to happen from what he did but you know in reality that's not the case he just shot you know five people four people (laughs) that's what it's going to be told as whether they deserve to be shot or not that's that's what it'll be told as yeah i i don't know if i have a, a strong opinion one way or the other um I've only seen this movie once, so I, I'd probably have to give it a rewatch to identify exactly that moment that you're talking about. Like, in terms of like the camera work, I, I never really quite picked up on that, but I, I like that theory a lot. So, let's um let's move on to our next film, uh, which is going to be Planet of the Apes. So, uh, from 1968, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, a U.S. spaceship lands on a desolate planet, stranding astronaut Taylor in a world dominated by apes. Two thousand years into the future who use a primitive race of humans for experimentation and sport. Soon, Taylor finds himself among the hunted, his life in the hands of a benevolent chimpanzee scientist. Like we mentioned, starring Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, Reese Evans. This movie, you know, I picked it for movies set in New York, but I, uh, that's kind of the big reveal of, of, that this movie is set in New York. It's kind of the crux and the, the climax, the finale of the movie. Because the entire time, like like the synopsis says, you know, he lands on this desolate planet. So the idea is they send him out into space. He's like in deep sleep for a really long time. Um, and then he lands back on this planet and he does not know that it is Earth. It is just some strange planet and he shows up and there's these ape people that are walking around and they're dressed like humans. and They talk and they're they're in control of these humans who are basically like Neanderthal cave people who don't have any sense. And it it just, it doesn't give you, it's he doesn't realize it's earth until this final moment when he's escaped and he he looks over and then he sees this destroyed statue of liberty which again going back to seven is is kind of an an iconic ending that has been so easily spoiled i think i think the simpsons do do something with it at some point and i think that's where i probably first saw it and then i mean it's it's emulated so many times the the broken statue of liberty um so it's a film that when i watched it i i knew that at the end but i think it doesn't like it's one of those movies that like makes you forget that that it's gonna happen because even though i knew it was gonna happen when i was watching the movie for the first time i was like so into it that when it happens at the end you're like oh shit like this actually is a bit of a twist and i can't imagine what it was like sitting in the theater in 1968 like this show like i i feel like that would be incredible an incredible moment that you know I, I wish i could have been there for it's probably in the top 10 movie twists it's gotta be up there i would say but overall as a movie i think it's not like as culturally important or like as successful other than the twist which is obviously very good and super iconic but i mean yeah i feel like obviously it's made in the 60s so it's hard to judge i think i've seen this movie once and it, it was a while ago but I mean, that is the thing that resonates with you. Charlton Eston, very good actor, classic actor. And like the makeup and stuff is, is super good. I mean, the issue I have with it is it spawned like how many how many sequels? Like 10, 8, somewhere in there? They did <laughs> and, a ton. They did yeah. a lot of them. And then obviously the revitalization. They did a Mark yeah. Wahlberg one in 2003. And then they we don't talk the about most that. recent <laughs> trilogy, uh, which it was actually isn't bad. The new reboot no, is very good. Oh, no, it's good. Yeah. yeah, they're all they're all good films i think dawn is is ridiculously good but yeah i mean this, the cool thing about the newer eight movies too is like they actually have like caesar and whatever the bad guys name are, are like actual like fleshed out characters like actual cool characters you can get behind and i don't know if they do that as much in the 60s original obviously they are like main characters i mean you've got the, the, focus. the scientist one that yeah, i think is probably the most 
it's always on Charlton Heston though. Um, but yeah, I would, I did not expect you to pick that, but uh, I respect it. Good. Uh, playing the guy, I guess. Didn't know that. We'll, uh, we'll throw it back over to Luke. Luke, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'll just say, I don't have much to add with this film. I've only seen it once, but I will say that 1968 must've been the year of the apes because you have space odyssey 2001 <laughs> so something must Sci- be going sci-fi on sci-fi apes <laughs> yeah costuming is all cool uh i don't know that it's as believable as doesn't quite hold up but no i mean it might no. be better than the mark Wahlberg version though i don't know it's <laughs> yeah that, that is true but yeah like you you said something about the simpsons uh i think the simpsons has like period you know, done a parody of like almost every movie we've talked about. <laughs> That's I, true. I mean, I, I know they've done seven. I know they've done, they've uh, done raging ball. Yeah. They've done you talking to me. Yeah. They've done Planet of the apes. Like they've done, they've, they've reached every cultural. You're on TV milestone. for, you know, 20 plus 30 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you might as well. And, and I guess they're predicting the future as well. Some people might say oh, that is true. Yes. Cody, you know who directed Dawn of the Planet of the apes? Ooh. I don't think I do. I don't know who directed most of those movies. Reeves, well, right? Yeah, Matt Reeves, Batman director, uh, directed yeah, the means... uh, directed the trilogy. So, Boo. <laughs> uh, Matt Reeves is whatever, but yeah, those are good movies. Well directed. But hey, that guy's just that's... he's the most bland guy in Hollywood, man. I don't I don't know how he got the Batman, but yeah, what? he got the Batman because of those movies. Exactly. Which I mean, those are good movies, but. I don't know if, I, if I'm giving the guy who made like Rise of the Planet of the Apes Batman. Well, he didn't make Rise of the Planet of the Apes. He made the other two. So. Oh, he didn't make go. the first one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Rupert, okay. you can blame Rupert Wyatt for the first movie. Yeah, that was not as good, but Dawn is very good, I think. It, they're yeah. they're very different films. Okay. I mean, and they're very trying good. to do different things, so I yeah. I, I kind of understand yeah. it. I mean, Dawn is I mean, War is literally a war movie, and I mean, Dawn is a little bit as well. So. What's the other ape's name? Kingo? Is that it? No, that's the guy from Eternals. It's something with a K. <laughs> I, I'm not going to pull it. That's tough. But that's a great character. That's a, that is a top tier villain, I think. And I think that's something that's missing, I think, in the original a little bit. There's not, like, there's obviously the antagonist. Koba. That guy is sick. Uh, played by Toby Kevill, I believe. Uh, Fan Forstic fame. But um, yeah, no. Dawn is a hell of a movie and, and one of my favorites for sure. These movies always have interesting casts as well. I mean, obviously, Circus at the yeah. at the center. But uh, also in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Gary Oldman, Jason yeah. Clark, uh, Cody Smith McPhee, Oscar yeah. nominated right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the girl from the Americans. What's her name? I don't know. Something. Also, Woody Harrelson and Steve Zahn are in uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. So, yeah. And then wasn't you know, James Franco in the James first Franco, one? James Franco. Yeah. James Franco is yeah. the main <laughs> character. Of, uh, yeah. But John Lithgow <laughs> plays his old Alzheimer's. And, and, you know, Draco Malfoy, Tom Felton shows up in that movie as well. It's just, you know, a little interesting character. Before we end our discussion on Planet of the Apes, I just want to say Charlton Huston is a bad person. So, what did he do? Uh, he was like the president of the NRA, which, you know, listen, yeah. take, say what you want. He's the president of the NRA for many years, uh, uh-huh. like around the time that Columbine happened. If you've seen Bowling for Columbine, it's basically a hate piece on Charlton Heston. <laughs> just not a good dude. When Columbine happened, didn't really like have any positive response. I mean, not surprising but was doing rallies like four months later and just you know touting guns left and right which i personally think is uh, a little insensitive and you know not the proper response to a sc- the first major school shooting 
Um, and, and clearly, you know, here we are <laughs> many years later, still oh, having, uh, yeah. yeah, still not going well. Have you guys I, seen uh, the Ten Commandments? I have not. He's, Tell us about it. What's about? That, it's about the Ten Commandments. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, yes. Well, not yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. but. Jesus, Jesus. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, believe in the Bible to enjoy that film because it is like revolutionary as far as VFX go. The parting of the Red Sea, I'm sure everybody's seen that shot. It's it's a pretty incredibly impressive uh, visual film. But uh, yeah, I was just going to say he's Moses in that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like Charlton Heston is like 50s, 60s, 70s, like is in a ton of incredible movies. I mean, I know Ben-Hur is obviously a classic one, but uh, I mean, I, you pick any old white dude from that time. They're, they're probably not the greatest person in general. So, you know. We'll uh, we'll throw it over to our our, our last movie, uh, a classic with also another uh, white dude that I'm not a fan of, or maybe orange. Home Alone Two: Lost in New York, directed by Cody. Do you know who? Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone fame, and also yeah, yeah, also sailed the ocean blue. Chris Columbus. In 1992, instead of flying off to Florida with his folks, Kevin ends up alone in New York, where he gets a hotel room with his dad's credit card, despite problems from a clerk and meddling bellboy. But when Kevin runs into his old nemeses, the wet bandits, he's determined to foil her plans to rob a toy store on Christmas Eve. Starring, obviously, Macaulay Culkin, Joe Joe Pesci, Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara as well, and directed by Chris Columbus, and a score from John Williams. Oh, I'd say that's the big thing, I think, from this movie that propels it. I don't know if it's better than the original, but the score is, is very, very good. Score? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, in general, I would say it's hard to do a sequel, especially with a comedy and, and with a kid actor uh, to beat that. But I think putting this movie in New York gives it that fun spin you need. Obviously, you know, he's stuck in his house in the first one. This time, he's got the whole city, so he can do pretty much whatever he wants. I think, you know, a couple of the best scenes I'll write off here. Him throwing bricks off the roof at what bandits, good stuff. He takes over basically just an abandoned building at the end and, and does pretty much the same thing in the first one, but good comedy all around. The bird lady, dude, the bird lady is sick. She shaves his ass at the end, just like the old man in the first one. Such good stuff from her as well, though. I don't know if there's been a better comedy sequel then home on too, which is a bold statement. But uh, you know, Donald Trump cameo, great stuff all around. But um, I mean it, it brings back pretty much everything from the first one, but puts a, a bigger and better spin on it. And uh yeah. I'm just a fan in general. So good flick. Bird lady. Uh hashtag free the bird lady. How do you forget your child twice? Well yeah, that's <laughs> I mean these parents clearly don't care at this point. Uh also <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh he was fine the first time. Let's just leave him in New York this time. It's such a happy ending because they fly off, they fly away from Florida to come to Kevin, and then the the toy guy, you know, gives me like all these gifts, and you know, it's a great ending. They're finally all together as a family, but uh, and not very good parents, sad to say, but yeah, tough stuff. I want to jump in with a, a letterbox review I saw. Mm-hmm. Marv gets fucking murked in this one. Jesus Christ, he got like four bricks right in the head. Staples in the dick fell through a hole, fell on the floor, got paint cans all over him while a shelf hit him, got fucking electrocuted, got a massive sack of whatever that was on his noggin, got a huge metal bar in the face, and then on the chest, fucking hell. 
fell from the third story of a house, got cans on a varnish dumped all over him, and then got attacked by Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. I mean, I know he's a horrible person, but Jesus Christ, Marv, are you okay? He's basically indestructible, honestly. These wet bandits are tough, man. Prison changed them, but I mean, dude, you can't you can't really defeat them. They just always get back up. But yeah, the bricks to the head is, is the tough one. I feel like they just get immediately. <laughs> this kid's on like I don't know a five story building, just chucking bricks and smacking, <laughs> them in the and nothing happens. So I mean, that's comedy gold if you ask me. But yeah, Luke, what do you think about uh, Home Alone: Lost <laughs> in New York? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I have a distinct. This is going to be the weirdest story you'll probably get on this show. Okay. Uh, I have a very distinct memory of when I was about eight years old. We'll just say eight. My grandma had called into the radio station for free Wiggles tickets. Like, you know, the the, the show Wiggles. Yeah. They were doing a a concert in Indianapolis. So – she calls in, she gets tickets. Um, and so we have to drive to this, the radio station and it was in the winter time and that movie was on in the car and mm. the you know DVD player. And I remember watching about the first 45 minutes and I didn't know. And then it reset when we, I got back in the car. So then I just rewatched the first 45 minutes again. <laughs> and that's like my memory with this film. Uh, so yeah, I watched Home Alone 2 while getting wiggles to get to the car <laughs> how how were the wiggles oh, they were great yeah i mean Top notch. one of the best one of the best concerts i've ever been to so <laughs> high praise you high ever, praise you ever finished the movie or just watch the first 45 minutes like... yeah no i've, I've finished the movie uh, oh, okay. after that but you know <laughs> yeah bird, bird lady scared me a bit uh yeah. when i was when i was eight but you know that that's kind of the point at the beginning, and then yeah. you realize she's a, she's a sweet soul. It it's a great Christmas time movie. I watch the Home Alones every Christmas, and they're never not fun. I back it. I don't know if I've seen this movie in the last fifteen years. Wow, really? I don't know. It's been a while. Maybe maybe ten. Maybe ten's better, but it's been a while since I've seen it. To be honest, so. Um, I don't even know who the bird lady is, dude. Any anybody have any thoughts on the new Home Alone? <laughs> anybody watch that? I have not seen I, it. The kid from no, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I've heard uh, yeah. bad things. That's all. I've heard very very bad things. Yeah. I don't know who would watch that movie, honestly. But I'm sure it's the same scenario as I know they just did a. There's a kid. And he's home. He's alone. Yeah. He's alone. Yeah. He throws bricks off roofs. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the same thing all around. He, he probably Fortnite dances on him after he hits him with the brick, though. <laughs> probably, actually. Campbell's. Macaulay Culkin. He's had a an interesting career, to say the least. Um, you know, what is it? What else has he been in other than like? Was he? No, that was some other kid. I'm, Richie I, I Rich. Always, uh, <laughs> the Sixth Sense confused. Says the same person basically. Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. I mean, he's like. 15 years younger than him but yeah okay. uh, we mentioned we mentioned brenda song earlier that's his yeah is it wife or just i believe so i believe they did get married i think they actually yeah i think yeah. that was a recent thing in the last yeah. year they got married i'm pretty sure yeah that's crazy good for macaulay culkin dude yeah what do you mean good good for brenda song <laughs> 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 Fair. 
I mean, yeah. He, he, uh, as of as of recently, his most recent, he's been in uh, American Horror Story. So there you go, Cody. That's what he's been up to. Hmm. Obviously, his uh, his brother Kieran Culkin has gained uh, some popularity on uh, Succession. He's also in Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which is a great film. So. Yeah. Yeah. The the other brother is it Rory Culkin? He was in Columbus, uh, the one about architecture that takes place in Indiana. Also in I science as well. So. Oh no. Is he? Apparently. He's a little in science. Oh wow. <laughs> I don't Shout know. I, I just. He's in it. They all look the same. It's insane. Interesting family for sure. The uh the Culkin crew. Another Joe Pesci movie too, dude. He just keeps <laughs> popping up. He's everywhere. You can't escape the Pesci man. Joe Pesci, the MVP at today's pod. That was the uh, the end of our very first cap chat. I think it was uh, pretty exciting. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Now we're gonna move on to we have a pod rhythm which continues to use cards and this game. So it is a little bit different. Season three. (laughs) Season three. There it is. This is the right time. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, the way this works is these cards have specific movies on them, and we'll draw them. And then uh, we're gonna we get, each get thirty seconds, only thirty seconds. Would never let anybody have more time than that. No. Uh, to just give a quick hot take, quick reaction, um, discuss the movie. We get a new movie every week, so it's always it's always random. We never know what we're gonna expect. This week's film, Monsters Inc. Anybody want to jump in to to say their piece first, or not get their stuff taken, or if not, I'll I'll take it away. Take it away, Corbin. Yeah. Take it away. All right. Banging soundtrack. That opening, oh, yeah. like the ja- oh, it's so jazzy. Like, oh my God. It's like I, that opening oh, I song love is it. So good. So good. Um, all the doors is you know, as that song plays is amazing. The other thing I want to talk about is the running gag uh that, that kind of is still prevails to this day, where in every scenario, Mike Wazowski gets covered up. So like on the DVD, there'll be like a sticker that's always over his face. Or even now, if you watch this movie on Disney Plus, oh, there's time. If you watch this movie on Disney Plus and the credits roll, it'll like do the, you know, picture in picture thing where it slides and it's like, watch this next. Mm-hmm. You get Solly and Mike and, and Mike's getting covered. So one of the longest running gags uh, in, in all of movies. So there, there it is. Mike Wazowski. Who wants to jump in next? Go, oh, Bartlett. All right. 30 seconds on the clock. All right. Uh, my favorite sequence of this film was always when they go through the door and they're stuck with the Yeti. I always <laughs> thought when I was younger that the uh, snow cones was the funniest thing of all time. Um, and somehow they managed to look appealing, even though we knew that it was pee. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I the song soundtrack's great. Um, I think Mike Wazowski and Soli are some of the best Pixar characters ever created. Cody, finish this off. Yeah, no, this is definitely a great flick, I think. Um, I think my favorite sequence is probably when they're all riding around in the doors. Uh, also, Randall is, I think, an underrated villain. Pretty menacing yeah. as a kid, first time watching that. He is. But, um, yeah, the voice acting, Billy Crystal and John Goodman, I think, is what really shines here. And then, you know, you just get attached to Boo, such a cute little kid. But um, definitely a great overall Pixar film easily top five for me yeah i think i don't know i feel like monsters inc kind of always gets uh gets forgotten a little bit when you look at like the greatest pixar films which i i definitely think it's up there you know monsters university not as good but you know, gross sequel good movie don't do sequels pixar they, they don't learn 
They never Cars learn. Two. They never they learn. Toy Story 2. Eh, okay. Toy Story 2. Toy Story is the exception to the rule because they're all very good. But best trilogy of all time. No debate. That that's a good. That would be a good topic right there because yeah. that that is a great trilogy. We do. Hey, we we got we uh. The, I will say you know Cody talked about uh favorite movie twists. I definitely think that's an episode we're gonna do one day. So stick around for that and also i've wanted to do like our favorite prequels sequels remakes trilogies something something along those lines as well so uh definitely expect those episodes coming soon our final thing the pod what have we been into our weekly recommendations i drink your milkshake i drink it up so luke uh basically just anything you've been watching lately movies tv uh, what do you want to recommend to the people that they should they should check out? It could be new or old. It could be anything. I'm actually just getting around to Better Call Saul, mm. so I'm uh, I'm about to wrap up season one, or I just wrapped it up. I don't know. I'm liking it so far. It's not hitting as hard as Breaking Bad, uh, but I've heard that it gets better. Uh, so I'm excited to keep getting to more of that. I don't know. I'm really high on. I know I've mentioned this to Corbin probably more than five times. But uh, I'm really high on Children of Men right now. It's mm. it's in my top four. Uh, I, I think if I rewatched it, it could it could bump uh, Dune out of my my second spot. But yes, if you have not seen Children of Men, watch it. I can't believe I waited so long to watch it because it is perfect. You know, a movie I have not seen. I think we talked about. If you ever come back, which I'm sure you will at some point, but if you come back and you do one of our traditional episodes, that's probably the yeah. movie you'll pick. So. Uh, I'll, I'll just save it i won't watch it and until it's with, <laughs> with right. you luke <laughs> all right all right so th- that'll force you to come back you'll have to come back just so i can experience children i will that. as long as you invite me i will absolutely uh anything else you've been into recently um i don't know i mean you've been, I you've just been watching saw... moon night have you been on the the moon night grind I'm an episode behind. I guess two now. Well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen today's. So yeah, seen today. um, that we're, we're recording I'm, this I'm on two Wednesday, behind. But... Oh, you're two behind? Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, save two behind. We'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll have time oh. to talk about it. Um, yeah. I think they've been getting worse, though, every episode. What are your, what are your thoughts on that, Luke? No, you... Yeah, no, I mean, I thought, I thought the first one was intriguing. Uh, second one was okay. It, I saw the third. Because today's the fifth one. Today's the fifth, I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the uh, is it? Is, yeah, is the third a... one. No, today's definitely the fourth, right? I've only seen three. I don't think you watched sure. last week's episode, Cody, because it wasn't marked off on our on our shared Disney Plus account <laughs> when I watched it I with don't Mina. Think so, dude. I watched so, the yeah, two. If I've... That was the last one I watched. Okay, well, so the one I've seen uh, is where Luke. Take your headset off really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, but, do you? The last thing I watched. Was what the, was the final scene? The hippo. Yeah, that's the fourth episode. Oh, really? What the yeah. hell was the third episode? Okay. You can come back. You can. <laughs> he has uh, seen yeah, four episodes. Middle episodes are kind of forgettable. Okay. <laughs> I've seen episode four, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, ahead, yeah, the third one I thought was not very good at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not and a huge in fan. In fact, there is a oh, yeah. full on cameraman in one of the shots. I did see like, that <laughs> standing there. Yeah. yeah, there's, you know, I so the people who directed this like have not directed anything. Like this is no. a brand, which is really interesting. Apparently, 
was reading recently that or saw somewhere that like the guys who were the creators of the show basically like laid like created this big pitch and they're like this is what we want for a moon night show and they like they pitched it and they're like oh yeah like okay you guys be the directors and you 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 just do whatever you want with it so wow there, there, there's some master plan here that apparently uh feige loved and and other people over at marvel so um for trusting cool. you know some rookie people out with with this uh thing i think the i think the fourth episode is a little bit better um because it, okay. it's that like turning point in the season you know and takes things on i'm um, not going to spoil anything but it, it's a, a little bit of a different episode so that, there's at least that so that's good yeah because i and it ends in a bit of a cliffhanger i guess i can say that it ends in a cliffhanger so yeah. oh, that's it, fine. it, it oh, leaves oh. you wanting more at least so which the others have not necessarily done um cody what have you been into what have you been watching i've been to a couple things uh you know the usuals game of thrones i am on the last season i have one episode left oh boy and, uh, oh man <laughs> what the okay so season eight luke you game first of all luke you a game of thrones guy i'm not but i'm familiar with just yeah, about yeah. everything with it yeah Fair. but um Season eight, it started off okay. Like, it's slow. There's only six episodes, whatever. Um, see, I, the third episode, they fight the zombie horde, and it turns into just World War Z out of nowhere. So that was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> oh, man. The second to last episode, it's a fucking shit show, dude. Oh, my God. It's a, it's actually, like, I didn't, people always said, you know, the last season's bad. It's really bad. Um, basically, the fifth episode is just, fucking Daenerys is burning down the city for a fucking hour and like it was it was like the character turn is whatever like it doesn't make sense for a character but that's literally the entire episode it's just like it's like a volcano scene almost like I think the people who made the last season didn't know anything at all about the first seven seasons they're like okay what can we do with a cool set piece with a dragon oh well they're going to you know Westeros and they're probably gonna burn the place down Let's just have a fucking volcano scene. You know, it's pretty frustrating. I'm not going to lie. I can go on for more. They're kind of, they threw away Jamie Lannister's character, who's one of my favorites. They kind of threw away Bronze's character, which I didn't even know why. Yeah, but that's literally their thing. They throw away every character. No, it's not at all. They kill everyone off in fucking cool fashion. And they didn't do that at all. Really. They killed off Cersei in the lamest way possible with some bricks. Who cares, man? Nobody even got to stab. Well, if like, she was Joe Pesci, she would have survived. Nah, give me Arya <laughs> stabbing fucking Cersei in the throat. That's all I wanted from the show. We didn't get it, but it's whatever. You know, obviously Survivor's going on. I called out Chanel getting voted out, I believe, in the last episode. Easy get. And, yeah, sure. And she got voted out. So, you know, take that or leave it. My uh, prediction for this week, I think, it's bl- I think it's blindside time. Check your watches, boys and girls. I think I think High is gone. I think he is. I think one of the bigger characters of the season is gone, and he's kind of on the outs right now. So that's my prediction. We'll come back next week, and I'm sure he's he's going to be running the show or something. But I'm throwing I'll, that out. I'll say this: if I mean it, really is going to. I mean, Tori back to back immunity challenges. When I mean, if she wins again, then she'll say. I think she might be on the chopping block yeah, if she doesn't win now. Exactly. That's why it's flying side time. That's such an obvious vote. She's not going immunity. And that's everyone's gonna be like, oh, it's just gonna be Tori. That's the perfect time for a blindside. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think Kai is that great, so I'm fine with him going if he okay. goes. Uh, at this point, at the release of this episode, if you're a Survivor fan, I mean, sorry, come out. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's all I got. I don't watch this week. Yeah, I I don't have a ton either. I actually have not watched any movies really in the last week. I'm I'm like halfway through a film, so maybe I'll talk about that in the next episode. But uh, been busy just trying to finish up. I mean, Luke and I are both in the same spot. We just got a uh, about a week and a half left, so. Mm-hmm. trying to finish it out so are you um, finished with all your classes uh i'm oh, i'm still editing my short film so i guess there's something there's something i've been into is is, is my short film uh gonna finish editing that tonight uh showcases this friday uh so yeah i'll i'll, I'll be sharing that places so if, if you want to check that out everybody go check that out um it's okay you know not the greatest thing of all time so i won't sell myself too high um thank you so much luke for coming yeah. and joining big, us big ups to luke out here. really appreciate it he saved i mean he saved our our season finale of season two <laughs> and he's starting off cap may mania with a bang so he we're glad to have you already, man. yeah what a guy yeah. <laughs> uh thanks for having me i mean i could talk about movies all night so Absolutely. anytime you want me on <laughs> have me open invitation to come back for sure yeah. thank you to all our listeners if you're new Thanks for coming out. If you're old, eh, you know, we appreciate <laughs> you too. You're cool, I guess. Hey, we'll catch you, you in the next episode. Yeah. It won't be a week from now, but uh, be on the lookout for a lot of big things coming. And uh, follow us on Instagram at Cap Podcast, K-H-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Actually, don't just follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us everywhere. We're available. I think I'm going to start filming me doing the frames and posting those on our our podcast tiktok so uh, be on the lookout for those so all right thanks everybody peace thank you what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.